Be the best rugby coach you can be. Welcome to the Rugby Coach Weekly Podcast with head coach Dan Cottrell, where you learn hints and tips from the rugby coaching community. Let's get started. My name is Dan Cottrell, and I'm delighted to have with us today Dr. Sharif Hendricks. Sharif is one of the rugby's leading researchers, publishing a huge number of excellent research pieces covering areas like the tackle, contact, and concussion, plus many more. He works now at the University of Cape Town and tells me he still plays rugby and loves contact. So if you've ever been tackled by Dr. Hendricks, it will be the best research tackle you've <laughs> ever been involved in. Anyway, thanks for joining us, Sharif. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for having me, and thanks for that intro. <laughs> right, that's good. I, I hope I never do get tackled by you, that's for certain. Uh, Anyway, it's the tackle and the contact area that I'm most interested in talking about. And I've been looking at uh, some of the latest posts on the rugbyscientists.com website, which has been referring to some of the work you've been doing recently. Yeah. And I'm very interested to sort of talk to you about that research around the tackle area. Okay. So just give us a little background on why you and your team carried out this work. Um. So the work started about 2008, 2009. Um, there was a big interest at that time within our um, research um, department on looking at rugby, rugby injuries um, specifically, and rugby performance. And um, as we all know, the tackle is quite a um, big feature of rugby. And then I think for my master's at that time and, and my PhD subsequent to that, um, I was kind of ushered into focusing on the tackle. So that's that's how it started. And and from there, the rest is history. And, and we kind of just went on and, and learned as we went along. So there was no, there was nobody saying to you, go out and do this research. It came from within. Yes, there was no one. Uh, um, at the time, um, the rugby research itself was growing. Um, there was some data coming out about um, rugby injuries and highlighting the tackle specifically. And and so we kind of just um, added to that and supported that. Um, so it was no one, there was no outside force saying, yeah, like focus on the tackle. And I I sort of gathered from talking to you previously that there hasn't been an enormous amount of research into this area. So did you feel like you were really moving into new areas, or was there much to inform you? Uh, there wasn't a lot at the time. The um, some key papers around 2008-2009 was, for example, Ken Quarry's paper on tackle injuries. That um, was a key paper. There was a Gataway paper um, published in, um, I think, in the late 90s. So those were, like, there was a handful of papers, um, basically. And so those were, that was the starting point for us. Um, that's when we worked on a literature review, kind of just consolidating all the tackle work. Um, and that was published in 2010 in International Journal of Sports Science and Coaching. So that was the the base um, for all of the work, the subsequent work that came from um, that. And do you sense that uh, there's also not only a desire to work out how to reduce injuries, but also a certain amount of desire to work out how to improve the performance of the tackle? If, I mean, should there be a balance? Should we? Should they be discrete actions? Do, do we need to? Do they need to work together? What do you think? Yeah, so, so, so we've done some work. So the, actually the second um, part of that research um, 
which was again part of my masters at the time, um, we did a questionnaire and and we asked players about um, injury prevention and performance. So at the time we were thinking um, we were thinking of injury prevention and performance as two distinct entities or outcomes. Um, in fact, the literature review was called for safety and effective um, um, technique. But um, over the years, um, we've starting to learn that you can't separate the two really, um, especially when you're coaching a player. So you can't um, instruct the player that this technique is good for safety and this technique is um, good for performance. Do you know what I mean? You, you don't want to get the player to decide, oh, so should I do the performance one or the safety one? So that's not how we're trying to message our research anymore. It's kind of these techniques are safe and effective. So, so it's, um, the outcomes are the same. If it's, if it's good for performance, it will be good for safety. If it's good for, for safety, it will be good for performance. Okay, so that's a really key message to sort of put out there, yeah. that um, great technique also equals safe technique so and, and vice and vice versa. And vice now, versa. Now, when you were doing this research, obviously you come from a rugby background, you're keen to promote the game and to promote others to play the game. Was there at any stage you were thinking, actually, maybe this game is a bit more dangerous than I thought before I started out? Um, that, to be honest, Dan, that thought's never actually crossed my mind since you've mentioned that. I've never had a moment where I was like, ooh, this game's actually more dangerous um, than I thought. I can tell you what I have thought is like, is that we there's actually a lot of room from a coaching perspective to do things better, um, especially in the tackle. Um, you know, just spending years on the playing field and, and observing coaches. And even we've even done a study where we observed coaches for um, four weeks. Um, there's still a lot of room for improvement in terms of how we coach the tackle. So, so, okay. now, so to answer that question, I've never ever thought, no, this game is a bit too dangerous. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, and I also know that we're going to just talk about that coaching aspect a little bit later on. So let's just go back to the actual, some of the research and your approach to research in the first place. And we're talking specifically initially about the tackle. Yeah. So in, in scientific terms, you're trying to measure yeah. uh, what a successful tackle is. So what are the main challenges in trying to measure it? So I can tell you, again, let me, let me kind of um, paint the picture from that start and then where we are now. So at that time, obviously, we knew, okay, there's a high risk of injury um, in the tackle and we want to get players to perform better in the tackle. And the question we had at that time then, so if we want to do this, um, do we know what the players are actually doing in training? Um, and so that's when we went back and we, got, um, and we developed a questionnaire basically to ask players what they're doing on training. Um, and this questionnaire was quite extensive, um, asking do they think about technique for safety? Do they think about technique for performance? So that was the initial um, part of our work. Then we went on to studying um, the tackle um, in matches. And here the main method was um, video analysis. Um, and here we just basically described the tackle in terms of um, what we see. So, example, if you see a front-on tackle, we, we would describe it as a front-on tackle, um, where the contact took place the impact of the contact, and so forth. So we basically described the each contact tackle, and we've studied over thousands of tackles um, in this case. So that was um, my initial work. And the aim of all of this was to, at the end of the day, um, 
develop some um, equipment and some training programs um, to uh, improve the tackle and to obviously reduce the risk of injury. So, yeah, so at the initial stage, it was, it was we developed some questionnaires asking players about their knowledge, about technique, um, their attitudes, and some of the reported behaviors. And then we went into analyzing videos. So that's how we measured um, the tackle um, in the beginning. We slowly moved on to measuring technique using a technical score. And this we kind of stole from rugby league, some of Gabbard's work. Um, and, you know, we, it's basically a 10-point um, system or a 12-point system um, where if you perform that action, you get a, a point or no point. And so we've, again, written about this and, and argue for this as a way to measure skill um, in training for rugby players. And we've, and we've also used this to measure um, technique in matches. So that's where we're at at measuring the tackle at the moment. So now you've done all those measurements, and this is just a sort of a, a supplementary question. I, I joked at the start that uh, if I got tackled by you, it'd be the best research tackle ever. Has it actually changed your tackle technique? Have you thought, now I've done all this research, I've watched all these videos, what, what sort of aspects of your own tackling have you changed? <laughs> uh, if anything. Yeah, or maybe you were a perfect tackler in the first place. No, 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 no. So, so, so I think there's stuff that I... Um, so just, uh, again, like on a side note, we actually are doing a study now where we've kind of giving information to players to see whether that changes their technique or not. Um, before and after, obviously. Um, so personally, I, I think some of the work I've been doing has changed my tackle technique. So it, it's the basic... The, the takeoff um, technique that they coach, um, contact with the shoulder, and then probably the head on the right place is the key one. And then the other one that um, I've, I've kind of done quite well at, um, of work, works, has worked quite well for me, is the leg drive after contact. So players need to work on leg drive after contact. So that, that's kind of improved my tackle um, technique um, over the last couple of years. So it's been useful to not only be able to research it, but to also to sort of go through your own sort of tackle journey yourself and uh, be able to see it in action. So that's not what all researchers can do. I mean, I certainly couldn't do that. Uh, then again, of course, I couldn't tackle very well in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, you've, uh, now you, you've put this together, and one of the things you've put together, this research together to do, is to try and create some form of tackle program. And uh, perhaps you can, we'll talk a little bit about that in a moment. Um, so how do you see coaches changing the way that they coach tackling, first of all? And then I'm going to ask you um, how this works in a week-by-week -week program. So first of all, how do coaches, how should coaches change the way they ta uh, coach tackling in the first place? So my, if you want to call it my dream, um, in terms mm. of the way coaches coach tackle is that we kind of get coaches to understand more about about technique, um, about contact, about um, like that by doing more contact, um, you can reduce the risk of injury. So we are see us working towards in terms of um, coaching um, the, the tackle and contact is Basically, that coaches are more equipped, that they understand more about um, training contact, the risks, and also how to develop, in terms of a progression, 
contact technique, moving towards tackle technique, towards the tackle skill. Um, in in the ideal world, it's like coaches will do have to do a little course, um, whether it's a short online course or a two-day course or whatever, um, but somehow get some understanding of how to introduce contact um, and develop contact um, over time and, the, and, and uh, move towards like the dynamic tackle, the dynamic skill of the tackle. Right. So they, first of all, there needs to be a better knowledge of a better knowledge. Yes. I think, I think coaches at the moment, um, we, we, we don't have a, 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 the, the, the skill literature, and this is, this is kind of um, related to the paper that you've mentioned. The skill literature hasn't yet been, it hasn't taken on yet by the rugby skill literature. Um, so that's what we're trying to do, match in that in that paper, um, and so we, as a as rugby coaches, as rugby researchers, specifically on the tackle, um, we can learn a lot from the skill literature and how to develop skill. And if we know more about that, we'll do better at um, we'll get better at coaching the tackle. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that makes sense. So we've got quite a long long way to go in terms of understanding how we develop skills in the first place, let alone yes. actually looking at the tackle yeah uh, can- and so and so, so Dan, can i just um um add something on there and the first thing that we need to realize is and so we and i are discussing it and but i feel again some coaches might not um realize this or some even the public that the tackle at the end of the day is a skill it's right. something that can be developed can be trained and can be refined and mastered at the end of the day so when you say just, I'm always interested in that idea of mastered. What is your perception of what mastered means? So that when 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 you're running onto the field, whether you're doing it in or whether you're um, tackling in training, there's confidence. You're motivated, and there's no um, there's no hesitation to make contact. Um, and, and so obviously when you execute it, you execute it efficiently um, and obviously um, you come out injury-free. Right. So um, now just going back one stage, I'm interested now in you just giving me a, an idea of the – now say, let's say the coach has got the knowledge – how they actually put in place what you said as like a step-by-step, week-by-week plan. Yeah. Just give us a quick outline on what that looks like. So, so what we've outlined in, in a recent paper that's been accepted in um, Strength and Conditioning Journal is we've used some, some behavioral science. So behavioral science, um, basically, there's some concept that if you want to change something, um, if you, you need to kind of make clear the map for that change. Does that make sense? Yeah. So if, if, if instead of saying for argument's sake, um, you, you tell someone stop smoking, that, that's, a, that's, that's the goal, that's an outcome, but that's not going to help the smoker. So you'd rather want to tell him stop smoking five cigarettes a day uh, and five cigarettes the next day. So the, so the map to get to the goal is clear. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. So in terms of coaching the tackle, um, what we know is that everyone knows, for example, um, that you need good technique um, for safety and performance. 
and, and there's a number of books on coaching drills and how to coach the tackle, um, how to coach good technique, but there's no direct or, or clear um, map onto actually how to get to good technique. And so in this paper, we basically outline a five-week program where from um, for the preseason where players um, can start developing from a static um, tackle um, drill to a more dynamic um, contact tackle drill. So, so how is that any different to what the regular coach does? Because I think if you went, if you go on your level one course, they will start from the static and move through. So I know it is different, but what are the main points of difference from what the regular coach was doing before? So, and so this is the thing. Uh, so then I, I totally agree with you. Coaches probably have some idea of how to coach the tackle. They understand the purpose of this paper or of this work is to kind of just give the coach the understanding or the backup that they need to understand how skill gets developed. Right. So that, so that when they do it, they kind of know what they're doing in terms of that progression. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, so they, they, they thought they were doing the right things, but now they know why they're doing the right things. Exactly. Exactly. So, given that then, um, and inevitably there's a balance between making training safe and testing out the tackle under more pressurized session, uh, yeah. uh, in more pressurized situations. So if you were to give some brief advice to a coach, what would they be looking for before they decided, let's just add some more pressure? What are the main triggers? Um, so, so the first one is obviously technique. So in this paper, we also outlined there's some te technical points that um, the coach needs to look out for. Um, and if the, coach, if the coach is happy with how the player executes this technique, um, then that's one way to progress the player to another level. Also, I think um, it's key that the coach works closely with the player and, and, and interacts with the player to ask, if the player is um, confident in executing or if the players might be struggling with a, a, a technical um, point um, that the coach has given. Um, so that's one way to kind of get the player to progress. Um, also, and the next level is to how do they perform their techniques, um, these techniques under fatigue states. Um, and so if the player can maintain their technical proficiency under a fatigue state, that's when you can move on to um, the next level. And so when, so, so you basically, so just to kind of give the progression, it's basically get him to do the technique under controlled conditions, get them to do the technique under fatigue conditions, and then get him to do the technique under, um, within game context, within game, within a match environment. Um, and then to see how they adapt that technique to the, to the situation. All right, so that that makes that makes sense, and I think uh, when you read the paper, the, you get an understanding of the some the the progressions involved. So this is great for pre-season. The rugby season never sleep, or rugby never sleeps. There's always a new season starting uh, within a couple of months. So many coaches will maybe picking up this research mid-season. Do they have yeah. to wait until six oh, months no, no, down no, no, the no. line? Yeah. Can yeah, they so, do so, it now? So the, the program, the five-week program in there is kind of just a, an, an example or, an idea, or, or a framework and how to use the framework. Mm. So the, the framework kind of describes how you go through, how you build or um, how you design your training. 
So if you understand the framework and how to progress and how to develop skill, you'd also, you could use that framework to plan your own training. So you don't have to do the full progression as we've done in the paper for pre-season, five-week pre-season. So if you pick it up mid-season, you can start, for argument's sake, under fatigue conditions. So, for example, in mid-season, your players might not need conditioning. Um, so they might just want to work on their um, technique or um, skill proficiency. We've, we've differentiated between technique and skill, where technique is just understanding the movement pattern of the player and skill being that movement pattern within the given demands, within the given context. So, so that's what we differentiate. So you can work on the player's technique or technique proficiency within the season or move straight on to um, developing skill proficiency. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes, that, that makes sense. So it's not you do this for five weeks and then you tick off, we've done tackle, and then the rest of the season is uh, doing everything else but tackle. It oh. is a continual return to technique, uh, working your way through the the stages, maybe not having to spend five weeks on the stages at certain times, maybe being able to work through it on just a week or two weeks. Hundred percent. You, we've even mentioned this in the paper. You could do the full set, the full stages, all the stages within one session. Ah, right. Do you know what I mean? You could do you could do it on in one session, but it's obviously the main. Um, and and again, we've mentioned this in the paper. The main indicator is the the skill level of your player. So if you're working with young players, they might not be able to go straight into um, small-sided tackle um, skill games. Um, so you maybe want to work on the um, contact technique first. Um, but if you're working with more um, experienced players that have, um, that have, for example, mid-season, they've been making tackles, you could go into a game um, early in the week. Okay, so we've talked a lot about the tackle. And uh, you also talk about contact in the, the paper and papers around surrounding it. So explain why we need to consider the ball carrier as well in this process. So obviously the tackle is, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a two party um, party. <laughs> it's a two stakeholder party. Um, so it's the ball carrier and the tackler. So when you're training the tackle, you want to make sure that both understand their roles and responsibility within that contact. Our recent paper in um, Journal of Science and Medicine in Sport, we show that during head impact tackles, um, it's not just the person who knocks their head or who ha- had their head impacted um, that, go- that has bad or poor technique. It's both players within that contact situation. So within the tackle, both players should understand their role in the um, the safety of themselves and the safety of the other player within that situation. Which doesn't seem to make a little some sense because normally uh, the ball carrier will want to dominate the tackler and the tackler will want to do- not dominate the ball carrier. So the sort of sense of the to make an effective tackle, you've got to have a certain amount of aggression. So how does that... Oh no! So it's not. So no, no, no. So it's not. It's not taking. I don't think it's taking away from the dominance um, or the aggression. If you made a, if you want to call it like a, a, a tackle that's full on um, scores high on our skill assessments, um, that would be a dominant aggressive tackle. You have two people um, con- 
making contact, leg driving, and that would be a, a physically dominant tackle. Um, when we say um, the two, if the if someone goes into the contact with poor technique, so for argument's sake, um, the tackler goes too high or he goes too low, that puts the ball carrier at, at the risk um, of, of injury as well as himself. If the um, ball carrier doesn't go into contact um, protecting himself or um, kind of obviously you want to coach ball carriers to not necessarily just go straight into contact to kind of also evade contact, um, that also puts the tackler at the risk and themselves. So so these or, or for example, another one, if, if they lose their footing too early, it puts both both the ball carrier and tackler at risk, not necessarily just the player um, who has the ball or the tack um, or the tackler. So in a sense, we're not suggesting I'm going in here because I want to protect the tackler. I'm go or I'm the I'm the ball carrier. I want to protect the tackler. Or I'm the tackler. I want to protect the ball carrier. I'm going in saying I'm going to use great technique, and as it happens, this great technique also means that we're most likely to have a safe outcome. So it's oh, not that way around. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So you're not you're not gonna um, you, you you're gonna kind of get the information out to the player to say, look, you need to make sure that um, you're doing this correctly so that yourself and the um, other player. Um, are safe, but you know. Um, but as you go into the contact, um, yeah. If you're doing your, if you, if you, you know, if you're doing all your technical points right, if you go into the um, wanting to dominate, that's totally fine. And so, and it, and that tackle will be safe. This route that you are suggesting, the sort of week by week plan from static situations through to dynamic, which could actually happen within a session is I wouldn't necessarily slightly at odds with, but is a different approach to the more game-based approach where skill developers say, let's see if we can develop it through a game. And they've suggested that might be the better way to introduce the skill. So is it not possible to use your approach yet actually start with the games for, at a very low level without show, doing the full tackle? Is it is that yeah. a, is that a different way? Yeah, How um, do you feel about that? Yeah, so, so so then I understand. So that's in the literature, and I agree with that. Um, kind of moving towards like gameplay as opposed to as opposed to drills. Um, the issue comes in is the the contact or um that that you make. So I I would say that you still need some form of preparation to make the contact. So you could go into games. You could go into touch. Um. But if, if you're working with a, 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 a new player or a very young player who is not confident or comfortable with contact yet, um, you might want to start them off with um, the drills and the, and the static um, semi-structured um, conditions first before you go into a game setting. If you have a more experienced player who understands the movements around contact and how to make contact, then, yeah, by all means, you could go into a game-based um, drill first. Um, but it, again, the level of the player um, needs to be considered. And also, again, if you're going to a game based without contact, the dynamic between the attacker and defender is going to be different um, compared to if you introduce contact. So for argument's sake, um, I'm sure if you, you've 
um, experience this if you're playing touch. You don't necessarily have to push up too hard because you can backtrack. Um, say if you um, if you have if there's an overlap and as a defender, you, you don't necessarily need to push up too hard. You can backtrack because you know you only need to touch the player. Um, but if, if in that same situation, if you need to make contact, the engagement or how you interact with the opponent is a bit different. Yeah. So there's a lot about the, the dynamic interaction with, yeah. uh, with opponents. And that needs to be done at some stage. And that dynamic interaction, when it involves contact, you might need, certainly with younger players, to give them some of the the ways to deal with that before they actually have to deal with it and maybe make, make adjustments. Now, which brings me on to something which uh, I've, you've commented on your website and I was interested to read because I personally uh, feel it's an important aspect of the game, and that is the amount of use of pads and tackle bags in developing tackle technique. Can you just briefly outline where you stand and if there is some science to back it up in particular um to be honest there's probably not there's not we, we haven't there's no science in the sense of we haven't done a study to compare um risk of injury or performance using a bag as a non-bag but just based on the work we're doing so the aim it's in the five-week program or the aim of developing contact technique or tackle technique is to get it representative um, so you want to represent match conditions. So you want to prepare the player for the match. And so if you so if you understand that concept or that goal, you can understand that using a bag or a tackle bag or a shield is not close to match representativeness. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 So 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 so. Um, Firstly, the tackle bag, I've, and like you said, I've posted this on the website. Um, I don't think that's a good use um, or a good way to develop um, tackling skills. In fact, um, anecdotally, we see players develop bad um, technique um, from using the tackle bag. They have this diving um, kind of motion when they use the tackle bag because it's um, stationary, it doesn't move. So mm-hmm. players think they can just dive into it. So that's bad for tackling. Um, the tackle bag that can be used as part of the, as you introduce the tackle or introduce contact technique, um, especially for younger players, players can hit, but ideally you want to move away from the, um, shield to get players to make contact with another body. Um, and so understand how to contact, um, a, a person with limbs and obviously moving towards you and so forth. So, you would say that it, they do have some limited role in tackle tackle technique training. Oh yes, they do. Again, in the in the early stages, um, as a as a way to uh, make it more um, comfortable um, for the uh, for the young player or the developing player, um, there is a there is room for it in the beginning. But as you develop, I think you can slowly start to um, move away from it okay well Sharif we there are numerous other questions which we could tackle in this particular podcast but uh, it's been very interesting just to get a sort of an expert insight and to see all the hear about all the research behind it and 
for all those coaches who have been listening, where can they find out more about what you're doing? So um, we have a website. You can go onto the website, rugbyscientists.com. Um, that's where we try to kind of translate some of our work. Um, alternatively, you can just um, put into Google um, Dr. Sharif Hendricks Rugby and you'll find some of the work we're doing. Um, actually, the another good way to is to follow me on Twitter at Sharif underscore H. Great. Well, I'll put all those links at the on the bottom of the page underneath this podcast. And I really encourage you to uh, follow Sharif on, on Twitter because there are lots of people interacting with him and getting on board with some of the work that he's doing. And it's creating, I would say, some debate, but also lots of great direction in terms of yeah. improving the tackle area, especially given that we're so... Yeah sensitive to this given the number of injuries yeah. and that uh, obviously there are concerns uh, about how this works so um, yeah go on can, can I, I mention something quickly something we haven't touched and we've talked about um technique and, and and field-based training but something we've written about before um is we need to also realize that the tackle is a technical and physical um skill so players need to be conditioned for the physical component of the tackle as well. And so when I say physical conditioned, that's kind of developing their other strength and power capacities. Um, does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, so uh, yeah. where, where can I find out more about that? Um, so we've written a bit about it, and there's some work in rugby league um, where you can, for example, in rugby league, they know, for example, that the better um, tackle, tackling performers have higher leg power or they have um, strong um, the leg power, they have higher leg power scores. Um, so that's in the rugby league and we're working on similar projects at the moment, um, looking at the relationship between physical characteristics of the player and their tackle ability. So what's interesting again about a lot of what you're saying is that uh, there's a lot which goes right from the grassroots young players through the top level yeah. Uh, about how they can improve as tacklers, which will make them more effective tacklers, not only just when they're starting off the their game, but much later on. And I know of a number of professional players who said, I wasn't taught to tackle until much later in my career. And that made a big difference to my performance. So what you're saying now is is going to be new to experienced professional players just as much as to coaches who are just starting out their tackling journey now we obviously can move and talk about many other subjects but Sharif that's been brilliant really enjoyed uh, your insights um, just for those people listening in these podcasts are released fortnightly on a Wednesday so please head over to the blog tab on the rugby coach weekly net website to catch up on any episodes you've missed and as Sharif has said, um, please follow him on Twitter. I shall put the handles underneath or go over to the website, which is rugbyscientists.com. So thank you very much, everyone, for listening. And thanks again, Sharif, for your fantastic and detailed insight. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, I've really enjoyed it. And uh, I'm looking forward to speaking to you again on some of the further details and ideas behind this so thank you everyone for listening 
and I hope you enjoyed the podcast. <laughs>